This gospel scene that we've just seen in this parable seems like almost an impossible scenario to imagine. Of course, two movies came to my mind when I thought of that. And these are two movies that everyone should at least have seen. If not, it's at least a venial sin. Imagine if Scrooge from The Christmas Carol woke up from his experience by seeing those three ghosts, having that near-death experience, falling into the grave, seeing the fires of hell that he was going to spend the rest of eternity in, and then right when he wakes up and realizes that he gets a second chance at life, he wakes up that morning and goes right back to his office and continues collecting debts that he's been doing all the time before. It's unbelievable. Or imagine if George Bailey from the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and he's on the bridge, he's crying out, Clarence, help me, Clarence, I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Then all of a sudden, wish comes true, he lives again, and the first thing that he thinks is, oh man, my lip's bleeding, Zuzu's petals. Oh, there they are, great, I have a sick daughter at home. Obviously, that never happens, right? What's the response of both of those people when they realize their life has just been saved and they get a second chance? They run into the streets overjoyed, so thankful for the, the gift that they've been given, but not the servant. He was forgiven a life sentence, and it didn't change him. So Christ says that that servant owed his master 10,000 talents in the scriptures. One talent is equal to 6,000 days wages. That means he owed literally 60 million years of servitude to pay off his debt. So it was an absolutely impossible debt. He was forgiven and he walks away totally unchanged. He experiences no conversion, no joy, no transformation of character and no mercy in his own heart. I mean, how does that make sense, right? There's a saying, entitlement is the opposite of enchantment. Entitlement is the opposite of enchantment. Scrooge was enchanted. George Bailey was enchanted. This servant, perhaps the reason he walked away from this experience unenchanted, was because he felt entitled to what he got. Maybe that's why he wasn't changed. Because entitlement causes us to run into the world screaming just what he said, pay me what you owe. Because we think we deserve what we want, which makes us ungrateful for what is offered to us. And then we're unmerciful when life doesn't deliver itself to us according to our desires. There can be no enchantment in this kind of mindset because you can't be grateful for what you think you deserve in life. So I'd like to focus on today entitlement and how entitlement cuts us off from truly experiencing the very graces that God's trying to offer us in our life and how gratitude does the complete opposite. It opens our hearts to recognize all the beautiful graces he's offering us and it transforms our hearts to forgive others when they fall short of our expectations. I spoke with a young woman just this past week. She just got back from Honduras last month where she spent three years working in an orphanage, Honduras. And I asked her, what was your biggest culture shock when you came back to America after all this time away? And she said two things. I couldn't believe how comfortable we are in America, as Americans and how ungrateful we are for what we've been given. 
My first thought was like, yeah, that's so true. Second thought was, shoot, I'm an American. That means I fit into this equation somehow. But it makes perfect sense. What do you do if you want to spoil your children? All you have to do is keep them comfortable and give them everything they want. And then they'll naturally become entitled and ungrateful for everything that they receive. And they'll go out into the world crying out, pay me what you owe. Give me what I deserve. Why? Because that's what they've experienced their whole life growing up. So they think life should just be handed over to them. And then they get angry and they protest every time that life falls short of their expectations. It's like, just like wearing shoes. The more we wear shoes, the more we protect our feet, they actually become that much more sensitive to discomfort, right? And then you walk outside and everything hurts. Well, you see people like live on farms. I saw one lady dancing on gravel the other day with no shoes on. How does that work? Well, she, her feet have become so accustomed to being on that ground, she wasn't so sensitive. It's the same thing with us. If, we over, if we're overprotected, if we're given everything that we want in life all the time and told that we deserve the whole world, well, all it's going to do is make us soft, and spoiled. And we'll go into the whole world thinking that it just needs to hand us over according to our desires. It's like that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they have everything in that garden. Absolutely everything except that one tree. And because they didn't have that one tree, nothing was enough. And then the devil came to them in that one place that they couldn't touch and said, you know what? You deserve that forbidden fruit. Who is God to keep you from that? You'll only be happy when you get this next thing. And because they believed that, they took in that kind of attitude, it led them to rebel against God. That's what happens when we're not grateful for all the gifts that are right in front of us. All we start to see is what we don't possess, and then we rebel. And that's exactly how we're tempted into sin. Watch how your mind works. Whenever I choose to do something I know I shouldn't do, most of the time I'll have to convince myself in my own mind, I deserve this actually. I know this might be wrong, but I deserve this. I deserve to break this commandment. I deserve this drink. I deserve to skip mass. I deserve to satisfy this desire because of X, Y, or Z. So I actually become entitled to my sin. And I'm so guilty of this as a priest. I feel probably like the most entitled person in this room. But I blame all of you for that. It's your fault, right? Because you make my life so good. And so everything's just been handed over to me. I didn't have to bring any of you into this church. I didn't have to build this church with my own money. I was just sent here. Thanks be to God. And I get the privilege to preach to you. But so much is just handed over to me, and it's so easy to become entitled with that mindset, as if, like, somehow I deserve that. I remember last year, when I went to the Holy Land, I went to Petra, one of the seven wonders of the world. And while I was there, I saw this little boy on the side. He was just covered in dirt, and his, all his clothes were ragged. And another kid was there throwing things at him, like throwing rocks. And what hit me so bad about his face is he wasn't even responding to it. 
It's like his life had become so deplorable by five years old that he didn't even react to the abuse and the terrible situation that he was in. And all I could think at that moment was how incredibly ungrateful I am as a human being. Like, how could I ever say after that experience that I deserve more than what I got? Then what it, when what I have already in life is more than that little boy will probably ever see in his lifetime. But that's why it's so easy for us when we grow up in abundance to start to think that we deserve everything that we have. And then we become so ungrateful when life doesn't deliver itself according to our preconceived notions of bliss. And missionary priests talk about this all the time. They say in their countries where they came from, people were so grateful for anything a priest could do. And then they come to the United States and all of a sudden it seems like everything they do isn't good enough. There's such a higher expectation on, on your quality of being. And to be honest with you, I think that's part of the reason that so many of the youth leave the church. It's like 70 to 80% of the youth leave the church after high school. I think part of the reason of that, it's a spirit of entitlement that we deserve salvation, that salvation is cheap. And when you have that mindset where everything else is given to you in life, then we start to project that on God as if heaven should just be given to me. And so when all of a sudden God's ways don't conform with my ways, it's that much easier for me to say, well, I'll just go into the world and do my own thing. Because the higher we hold ourselves out of pride above being and judge the world and judge everybody else around us and say that you're not good enough, that you're not making the par, well, the more we become closed off to all the graces that God is offering us in every moment of our lives. And that's why gratitude is so necessary to foster in our hearts, especially as Americans who've grown up in this situation. It opens our hearts to all the graces that's right in front of us that we don't see most of the time. And nothing fosters gratitude more than self-deprecation. Just go two weeks, I'd suggest being as absolutely self-deprecating as you possibly can, and it will transform the way that you see the world. Just use four words, better than I deserve. How's your country doing? Better than I deserve. How's your church doing? Better than I deserve. How's your marriage going? Better than I deserve. How's your health? Better than I deserve. How's your prayer life going? Better than I deserve. How's your air quality? Better than I... Well, no, not... Maybe that... We deserve better air quality. I'll give us that. But when everything I get in life is better than I deserve, all of life becomes enchanted because it's a gift because now I'm not above it I'm below it and so I can just receive everything as an unmerited gift of God in my life it transforms our hearts transforms the way you see other people and it opens our hearts to forgiveness and to mercy when things don't work out the way that we wish they would we don't close up and there's such a temptation in life out of pride and resentment to close our hearts and to go our own way because life didn't work out the way that I thought it should. We all stand in between those two, those two thieves on the cross. One thief looked at Christ and said, if you're really God, take us down from this cross because I don't deserve this pain. 
other one was just so enchanted by the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, chose to join him in the very place of his suffering, that his only request in the end was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's it. Thank you for joining me here. That's all of our struggle. Enchantment or entitlement. Every single person who goes to hell in the end, I guarantee you, was entitled. Every single person who is saved in the end, I promise you, is living in perpetual enchantment of all the graces they received in this life and in eternity. And we all stand between those two. I mean, imagine if that servant, when he walked out of that encounter, when he realized what he'd received from God, he was so enchanted by the graces that he got that when he saw his fellow servant who owed him a hundred days wages, hundred denarii versus 60 million, if he was so overcome with joy with what he received, he said, not only do I forgive you, but I'm going to take your penalty upon myself. I'm going to go into jail for a hundred days for you. Sounds crazy. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. The Father didn't just wipe away our sins, wipe away our debt. He said, not only that, I take your sins upon myself. I'm going to die your death on that cross so you can live my life in eternity. That's what we're all called to become. That's what the encounter with God is supposed to produce in us. A total transformation of how we see the world and one another. In the Nazi concentration camps, there were these people called the fools. And the fools, every single time someone did something wrong, someone had to be punished by the Nazi guards. And the fools were the ones who raised their arms every time and said, I will take it. Take me. Beat me. They all called them the fools because every single time they would raise their arms for that. Their reasoning was this. They said, if the guards punish someone without faith, they will hate them in return. And then there will be more hatred in the world. But we volunteer to be beaten because our faith teaches us to love our enemies, to forgive those who hurt us, and to pray for those who persecute us. So we let them beat us instead so that there is more love in the world and not more anger and resentment and hatred. That's what it means to be so enchanted by the graces that God is giving us in our lives that it transforms us into a gift. No longer screaming, give me what I deserve. But how can I serve you now? It's like you don't, you don't owe me anything because I've received from God in my life more than anybody could ever take away, even in a concentration camp. Imagine if we had that kind of viewpoint. I once asked a woman, what's the greatest gift you've ever received from God? Without skipping a beat, she said, saving me from mortal sin. Saving me from mortal sin. The fact that I've been saved from hell, that's the greatest gift. Whatever comes after that, just the, the icing on the cake. That's where you set your bar. If you set your bar there, when you walk out of that confession every time, imagine if we walked out of confession with like that servant who walked away from his master with a whole new heart ready to forgive anyone who's offended us. 
And maybe that's why Christ makes it a condition for salvation. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart, neither will my Heavenly Father forgive you. Like it's not just a good thing to do. It's necessary. Well, why? Well, maybe what Christ means is that forgiveness itself is a sign that I've experienced God's forgiveness in my life. Like a broken leg. The very fact that I'm no longer limping on my leg means that it's been healed. I'm free. And so the sign that I've been healed in my relationship with God, that I've been forgiven of my sins, is I'm no longer walking around with an attitude of give me what you owe to everybody who falls short of my expectations. And that itself is a sign that I've received the forgiveness of my own sins. We all stand in between that. Enchantment or entitlement. And it's up to us to look at our hearts to find out which mindset am I usually living out of. The enchantment of all God has done for me or the entitlement and the bitterness of all the ways the world and people around me fall short of what I think it should be. I invite us all to really look at Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. You really believe that Jesus Christ comes right here in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of whatever you're going through in life. I believe body, blood, soul, and divinity, Christ comes on this altar and I get to receive him into my own body. Let us really pray those words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And pray for the grace to say those words from the depths of your heart. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter into my roof. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of your grace. I'm not worthy of the salvation that you've offered me. It's so much more than I deserve. And you've given me more in my life than anyone else could ever take away. So just say the word and my soul shall be healed. And I will forgive everyone and everything that has ever hurt me in life from the depths of my own heart. And that's what it means to experience the salvation of Christ.